This is Nuclear Knowledge. A production of the National Institute for Deterrence Studies. Hello and welcome to another episode of Nuclear Knowledge presented by the National Institute for Deterrence Studies. I'm Sam Stanton, a senior fellow with the Institute, and today I'm talking to you and with you about realism, liberalism, Marxism, and constructivism. These are four primary theories that we use in the study of international relations to try to understand past and current behaviors and make predictions about future behaviors of actors in the international system. Now, realism, the first of the four theories I want to discuss with you today, is probably the the oldest of the theories, and it is the one against which all the others are offered. Realism has four primary underlying assumptions. The first is that states are the primary actors in the international system. Second, those states are unitary actors, meaning they speak with one voice. And third, the states are rational actors. And the fourth is a, an important one for us because this fourth assumption is that the structure of the system is anarchic. Now, what we mean by anarchic here is that there is no higher authority than those primary actors, the states. When we say states, we are, of course, talking about the governments of countries in the world. And so what we're saying then is that the states exist in a system where any one state can't reach out and call 911 if something goes wrong because there is no higher authority for them to call on. They only rely on themselves and potentially through alliances and other structures, the goodwill of other states. Now, because the system is anarchic and the actors are rational, we also wind up in a situation with realism where we understand that states are self-interested actors. They act in their own interest because there is no higher authority. They act in their own interest because in an anarchic system without any higher authority, survival of the state becomes the single highest primary goal of a state to survive in the international system. In order to survive, states then seek security. And in seeking security, you have to seek power and balances of power depending upon the capacities and capabilities that your state possesses. Now, states that have greater material capabilities and capacities do not have to seek strong balances of power. They don't have to potentially bandwagon with other states for their own survivability but they will still seek balances of power because there are other states that might also have high levels of the capacities and capabilities to produce security for themselves. And all states then are in competition for security, for seeking power, prestige, and position in the international system. 
Now, this competition often will lead us to a Thucydian sort of situation where we expect that the stronger, more powerful states in the international system will do what they will and the weaker states do what they must, to, to paraphrase from the Malian dialogue. But this is that basic point with realism, that states seek survival, they seek power and balances of power because they are trying to survive in an anarchic situation. And that is what is rational for them to do in an anarchic situation. Now, there are many variations on realism that you can look into that has some variations in the expected behaviors of states. Uh, we can talk about realism, neo-realism, offensive realism, defensive realism, uh, neoclassical realism, and even a hegemonic realism. Now, juxtaposed to realism is liberalism. Liberalism still sees as an assumption that the system is anarchic, but the states are not necessarily self-interested actors. Instead, real liberalism, as opposed to realism, would say that states can be cooperative, they work together, and they are energized towards producing a liberal, in the classical sense of the word, liberal system of liberties and freedoms for the greatest number of people possible. And that because that is what states are really interested in, then they are interested in the real gains and absolute gains that all states can make everywhere for all people. And also liberalism then says, because we're working towards a cooperative system where we can create the greatest amount of liberty for the greatest number of people in the world, that there are other actors than just the states that are involved and important in this process. Uh, for instance, international organizations such as the United Nations are important for creating a venue for cooperative effort between states for managing and maintaining international behaviors and organizations, for setting preferences, for guiding choices that states might make or any other actors in the international system might make related to creating that system where all people can prosper greatly. Now, Liberalism, because of its focus on the classical understanding of creating liberal society, will also argue that there are that the type of state is important, that states that are dictatorial, states that are theocratic, states that are communist, these sort of states according to liberalism, do not promote the liberty of, a, of people, do not promote individual liberty and growth, and those are bad forms of government. And so part of liberalism is seeking, seeing states will seek to make changes in the international system to make the system more democratic, 
for instance, because democracies promote are seen as promoting liberty, promoting those liberal values that are central and core to the understanding of liberalism, and that these states will even at some point seek to promote the spread of democracy through the use of force if necessary because they want to make every state behave in this liberal fashion. Now variations on liberalism include liberalism itself, neoliberalism, democratic peace, commercial peace, and even a variant on liberalism called institutional peace theory. Now, as opposed to both realism and liberalism, we can look at Marxism. Uh, Marxism is an economically determinate system that argues that all of human history is based on the material interests of people and that the great number of people who fall into that Marx category proletarian are divorced of the value, the economic value, the material value of their life because that bourgeoisie, that capitalist class within the country actually controls the means, modes, methods of production and are have a stranglehold on the value of goods and services and keep the masses of society from enjoying the benefit of their labor and their daily work. The only way to change this is, of course, to engage in revolutionary behavior overthrowing the state, which is simply the state in a Marxist theory, is simply a tool of that bourgeoisie of the capitalist class and so you need to overthrow that and bring in a more socialist or marxist communist sort of state which is more enlightened and working towards achieving the marxist desire which is a utopia where everybody sits around being happy and does what they do and provides for themselves and others and everybody gets what they need uh, variations on Marxism include dependency theory and world systems theory. Now, constructivism is a social theory of international relations, and it is based largely on the idea that reality, identity, and norms of behavior are important, and those things are all socially constructed. The identities of any actor in the system are defined by those actors in the system at any given time. And this is malleable. It can change. It can move over time. So what it means to be a state changes. What it means to behave appropriately as a state be changes. What it means to be an international organization. What it means to be any potential actor in the system is defined by those actors and, and changes over time as needed to pursue a logic of appropriateness, appropriateness of behavior. Uh, constructivism focuses on those, on what's an appropriate norm. What are the appropriate rules, principles, 
acceptable behaviors in any given situation. Now, you know, thinking deterrence, because here at the National Institute for Deterrence Studies, we believe everybody should think deterrence. These theories provide individuals with a basis upon which to make judgments about what sort of foreign policies, what sort of international relations are best. And so this informs us of our opinions and our thoughts regarding nuclear weapons and nuclear deterrence. Uh, because, for instance, a liberal seeing the world as being cooperative, seeing that the goal is to make things work for the greatest amount of people to have the greatest benefit of liberal ideology, would tend towards having a, an opinion of abolitionism or a very limited deterrent value of nuclear weapons because they do not promote cooperation in the international system versus a realist who would say, hey, you have to survive. You have to defend yourself. You have to protect yourself in the international system. And nuclear superiority gives you the absolute greatest ability to defend yourself and survive in the international system. So I want to again thank you for being here on the nuclear knowledge and remind you, think deterrence. A production of the National Institute for Deterrence Studies.